Welcome to another episode of The Illustrious Gentleman, the place where comic book artists and top blokes Scott Garleski and Ryan Cody talk about life, work, comics and booze. Follow the show on Twitter at TIG underscore show and online at www.tigshow.com T-I-G-S-H-O-W dot com Don't forget to let us know what you're drinking while you're listening to the show. Go on yourself, big man. Thanks, Gary, for that sweet-sounding introduction, and welcome back to the Illustrious Gentleman Podcast. Scott is back this week after a short hiatus, just in time to talk about art education and its purpose, or lack of, in comics. In this episode, I constantly refer to hypothetical artists using only the pronoun he. Sorry about that, ladies. I sound old and grumpy when referring to young artists. Scott demeans baristas by assuming they're all former art students, and we talk a lot about discipline as a freelance artist, even though we both have very little. Hell, I'm several days behind on work even as I record this. Two quick notes. Tucson Comic Con is this weekend, so if you live in Arizona or southern New Mexico, you should swing by. Tucson is a really fun town, and we'll be at tables AA88 and AA89 doing sketches, selling original artwork, and comics. I'm also taking commissions as well, so if you're interested in owning some custom original artwork, swing by the website at tigshow.com, and you can find my link on the Illustrious Gentleman page. This episode is once again sponsored by the fine folks at Samurai Comics, a wonderful shop with three Arizona locations where you can get all your comic needs. Why don't you pick up a copy of Lost Boys number 1 from Vertigo Comics that Scott worked on or any other comic you can imagine. Visit them online at SamuraiComics.com and thanks again to everyone and enjoy the show. Loading Photoshop while you were loading this, or were you closing Photoshop? No, I was trying to open Photoshop. I hit it a minute before, and you know, I did it shit. All right. So, uh, how was your um, two-week uh, vacation with your kids? Because we we haven't we haven't talked in a while, so yeah. So my vacation from the show. Yeah, your vacation from reality and life in general. Oh, it was all full of reality in life. Those are the worst things. Yeah. So, two-week two fall break, is that what that was? Two-week fall break, and then always following any break, they get the next Monday off, so it ends up being 11 days. Wow. Just a nightmare. I don't know why the school district hates parents so much. Right, because aren't they going to have, let's see, with Veterans Day and Thanksgiving, they have three days off in November, and then another, does your school get two weeks for Christmas or just one? Two weeks for Christmas, two weeks for fall break, two weeks for spring break, but thank Jeebus, uh, summer break is shorter because of that. Right, so it's almost like a year-round school, I think we might have talked about this. It's modified year-round, whatever that's supposed to mean. Right, so yeah, my kids' fall break was one day, they got a Friday off a couple weeks ago. That's beautiful. Yeah, I wasn't even here, so I didn't even have to mess <laughs> with it. So, yeah, I guess that's been your life for a couple of weeks. And then last week, you just tried to play catch up on work. While I was on vacation, you were trying to catch up. While you were on vacation. A real vacation. <laughs> right. Yeah, I take one of those every like four years or so. Glad to hear everything's going all right then. Let's see. So, are you, what are you drinking? Are you drinking this morning? This afternoon? Uh, yeah, I pulled something out in the couple weeks. Between episodes, I had had a few of my show beers, 
but I, I had saved a couple. So you want you want me to go with mine? Why don't you go first? All right. So right now, uh, I can do this live, I suppose. I've got um, Borderlands Brewing Company, the Noche Dolce Moonlight Vanilla Porter. Oh, that sounds good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pop this guy here. paint a picture for you guys sure pour it on mike nice oh my gosh it's dark yeah we're, we're nothing if not uh, very professional and you know we, we want to provide a rich experience for our listeners i don't know if you guys can hear that carbonation did you beer advocate it no you know i didn't no i dropped the ball on that one. oh wow it's first of many i suppose it's um it's it's dark very dark like a guinness but it's got a nice brown head instead of white, so it almost looks like a, uh, I don't know, like a beer milkshake or something. Well, I have a, uh, I also have a dark beer. I have a, a Victory Brewing um, Storm King Imperial Stout, which is uh, a brewery out of Pennsylvania, and so it's like yours. It's a dark brew. It's a dark beer with a tan head. Um, mine's nine point one percent, which is why I got it. But the reviews are pretty mixed on it. Um, it's not really much of a stout. It's more of an IPA. And a lot of people didn't seem to like it on uh, Beer Advocate. It's got a general high score, but the people who didn't like it really didn't like it. And I'm not convinced yet. But I'm going to read a, I'm gonna read a post that uh, a user named Beer Han put up who did not like this beer. They posted on uh, BeerAdvocate.com. What does Victory want me to do with this beer? Put it in my engine, perhaps, and use it as oil? It smells and looks pretty darn good, but after a few sips, I never wanted to taste this again. I've never had a beer so undrinkable. It's a dark chocolate overtone with super hoppiness that hurts. I can't drink this. It was gross. I am disappointed in Victory for this one. So they really were, wow. they were really unhappy, apparently. And, All right. Enjoy. Yeah, and they felt that Victory did it to them on purpose. <laughs> but I'll come back around at the end here. Yeah, I don't know how sold I'm going to be on this one, but I'll, we'll give it the full 12 ounces and see how I feel. You know, I do have a little bit of info on the back of my can here. Here you go. I didn't notice. Yeah, so it, if you want, I can, <laughs> in lieu of a obnoxious beer advocate review, I'll just read the back of the can here for everybody. Um, Noche Dolce, Moonlight Vanilla Porter. The moon is out, the air is crisp, and the Sonoran Desert suddenly feels a whole lot more inviting. Noche Dolce balances notes of coffee and chocolate with just a touch of sweetness from real Mexican vanilla. It's a 15.5 IBU. Is that low? Yeah, that's really low. That's like a okay. that's like a Guinness low. Yeah, it, it, it tastes remarkably like Guinness. It's a, it's a 7.3 ABV. And uh, 51 SRM. I don't know what SRM means. I don't know what that means. It's a nice looking can. I haven't had uh, beer out of a can in some time. It seems like they've improved canning technology. I can't taste the aluminum on the beer. Right. Is that um, an Arizona beer, Borderlands? Yeah, Tucson. Oh, okay. Well, good. Supporting local businesses. I think I think the, uh, the uh, TIG Show Twitter account might follow them. I tried to follow all the Arizona brewers. All right, so... Today was a topic that I kind of came up with. I don't really know if, if how much input you want or have. Uh, we didn't really go back and forth on this. 
but uh, the idea of uh, sort of art education came up in my head. And, uh, you know, because I see a lot of new people. When I go to cons, I see a lot of new artists. Some of them are coming out of schools. A lot of them aren't. And, uh, you know, I could, I've seen certain sort of negative trends pop up here and there um, that I've noticed. So I just thought maybe, you know, especially because I'm going to be doing, we're going to be doing a convention next weekend from when this posts. It'll be the next weekend. And uh, occasionally I get advice. I get people asking me at conventions, you know, what what advice I have for them if, or if I look over their portfolio. So I thought it'd be a decent topic for us to tackle. So hopefully you have some thoughts on this topic. I, I'm i going to add a little bit. I have a feeling I'm going to be asking you a lot of questions. Uh-oh. All right. Maybe I should have got two beers for the show. All right. Well, then why don't I... Why don't I uh, start with you, and then we can ping pong. I can go off of what you what you throw out there. But you you mentioned in a previous podcast you did go to an art school of sorts, right? You went for directing or filmmaking. So all of my higher education um, involves the Maricopa County Community College system. And that includes the the film program that I signed up for at uh, Scottsdale Community College a lifetime ago. You fighting artichokes? Yes. And, uh, it. I got through a semester and a half, maybe. I don't really remember. At least one semester. So. Was it enough to make an impression on you either way, as far as what you were or were not learning? Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time there. Um, I wish I could have made it work, but at, at the time, it just wasn't something I could continue. But no, I, I don't think... I, I'm going to go ahead right now and say that I don't want this to be a spoiler for the episode or anything. Maybe I should talk about it at the end. Um None of my schooling has any practical application at all for what I do right now. Okay, yeah. All right, that's kind of a that's kind of where I was going because I I do have a formal art education as I went to the Art Institute of Phoenix and I did the two year associates program, uh, but I did it in eighteen months, so you go year round. You know, as someone who went to art school. And I went there for an animation degree. I wasn't thinking about comics at that point. I do think it helped me. I think it helped me in comics a lot. It, it kind of helped me with, uh, you know, learning the more foundations on learning to draw rather than just, you know, watching a video of some of the image guys, you know, back in the day sketching, watching those those video series or, you know, looking at Brutes and Babes in the back of Wizard. You know, this the life drawing specifically uh, gave me a foundation on how to construct you know, construct figures, construct movement, that sort of thing. It also, I don't know, it it having to turn in assignments and get graded and, and paying to go there, uh, it teaches you not to fuck around. You know, it teaches you to get stuff done on deadline, on time. And even to this day, that's I think that's one of my biggest assets uh, is, is being able to hit a deadline uh, when I have a hard deadline, you know, when it comes to you know, when it comes to publishers, like a book, like on the Phantom, I never missed a deadline or anything like that. Uh, I might dick around and miss a deadline on a a smaller self-published book, but not, nothing, you know, 
nothing that has a firm deadline publisher based have I ever missed a deadline on uh, so the school really kind of drove that into me so that life drawing skills um, you know th- how to deal with other artists and deal with other creative people it was good for that but other than that did not uh, you know it didn't really do anything for me I graduated with honors my portfolio won an award you know not, I never got one job offer out of school not you know no emails no contacts nothing uh, it really didn't do anything for me well I, I don't think that that experience um, can really be understated we're probably going to get into like you said advice for you know younger people and aspiring artists and blah 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 I think the one thing I would be able to tell everybody is to hit your deadlines. That's this being a, you know, uh, art production industry. It is production and it's business and shit needs to get done on time and out on time. And everybody's got a schedule. You're just one piece of, you know, a bigger chain. And when you, can't do your job other people can't do their jobs but yeah that's one of the things i think i i don't would you call it discipline yeah i would call it i would call it a form of discipline i mean if i was truly disciplined i would never you know be behind on work because i honestly you know when i look at when i look at my work production honestly uh i don't i don't work as much as i could you know i don't maximize my time I always seem to be busy and I always seem to be stressed about time. But when I, at the end of the day, when I go to bed and I'm feeling, you know, worthless because I didn't do the work I wanted to do that day, I can easily spot times where I was dicking around on Twitter or, you know, fucking around on Facebook or pre-planning for a project that I want to do in a month from now. You know, all that time adds up to time I could have, you know, really focused and been disciplined and finished what I wanted to do that specific day. But I think it does instill a greater discipline in sort of like like what you said. Um, the book that I'm doing right now, I'm not coloring. So they want the book out in December. I had to get those files to the colorist so she could color. So then they can get those files to the to the letterer so they can get it printed so he can get out on time. So I'm the outside of the writer. I'm the first level of the cascade of shit that could fuck up. So I want to make sure it leaves my hands still on schedule uh, as best as possible. And, you know, life events, you know, kids, wives, families, finances, all that factor into that. But I think uh, you at least have to be aware, especially younger people coming in, you have to be aware that it is a deadline production-based business and not a fully creative, you know, dancing in the fields and working when you want to business. Yeah, I, I think that might be one of the the hardest things, maybe not to understand, but to actually do is to sit down and be creative when you don't feel like it. Because your whole life, that's come from uh, the, all that creativity and all of that garbage has come from you know a place of inspiration, right? So you sit down when you feel like it because you got something in your head that you got to get out. Well, it's it's not like that anymore. You're working. You're basically working a nine to five, turning that that hobby into into work. So it's a job now, and you have to treat it like any other job. You have to show up on time, get your shit done, and even I mean, 
I've been doing this for just short of two years full time and it it's still just a daily struggle to be able to work when you don't feel like working because you don't feel like drawing necessarily um, but drawing is work now so you gotta work and I, I, I think it is a, a an issue of mo or a discipline not necessarily motivation you could have all the motivation in the world but if you don't have that discipline then right I think you're Right, exactly. Like motivation in the form of, oh, I got to get paid because the bill got to get paid. That's motivation. Getting the work done is the discipline. Yeah, and it's two different things. And you're right. It is, it's a jarring thing. And I've been doing this, you know, either halfway or full time for 10 years now. And I still haven't mastered. I cannot get up and sit down and put pencil to paper at 9 a.m. It just doesn't happen. Like I can't do it. But if I had a day job and I went to go work a register at Lowe's, you know, I'd have to clock in at nine and I would get going. So it's, you know, I think for someone like me who in most general ways is very disciplined as far as, you know, I always have a great, when I did work a day job, I had a great track record, never missed days, never was late. Uh, I almost need someone to hold me accountable, which is why I think I would thrive in like a studio environment where, you know, uh, you know, let's all show up. Whoever was working in the studio, you know, let's try to keep business hours. Everyone shows up. Uh, I think if I got in there, other people were working, it'd be a lot easier to sit down and, and, and work. Uh, when there's no one home, you know, to hold me accountable, it's too easy to get up and get another snack, or it's too easy to, you know, set the DVR to record seven TV shows that day while I watch an eighth TV show or something ridiculous like that. One of the things that I think would really aid and um, would really foster discipline, I think, is habit. So if you really focused and created a process for yourself um, that's comfortable and that works, and you really, really, really try hard to stick to that and just and get into it every day, form a habit, I think it really, it really breeds that discipline. And that's, that's something I'm lacking too. I, I try to get to the board as early as I can, but I mean, there's my, my brain is just all over the place all the time. So if I'm stuck on one particular page, I'll move on to another page and, you know, uh, I don't feel like working and there's other stuff that needs doing. So I'll go di- do dishes or something or laundry because I'm at home and that stuff still needs done at some point. So I figure I might as well do it if I'm not working, even though I should be working and things just snowball and get out of control. So yeah, I, I could create my own discipline and really get into it. And I could try, I could probably try a hell of a lot harder. Um, but I think that's one of the traits that you need as a production artist is, is having that already. So you know, I, that's why I think there aren't a whole lot of guys that stick around a long time because it takes, you know, a dozen different qualities um, besides just being good and being fast and, you know, whatever else you can come up with. You need that, that combination of, you know, those 10 or 12 or whatever 
characteristics to have a, a really long career. So that's why you only have, you know, a few dozen guys that stick around forever. Yeah, and I think, you know, going along with the discipline is also you have to be willing, if you if if you want to stick to a certain uh, schedule and you want to be disciplined in that regard, you have to be willing to sacrifice other things. So you mentioned, like, the dishes and laundry. I do that too. Like, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'll just start dinner early and just have it warm. So at 3 o'clock, rather than working until 5 and then making dinner, at 3.30 I'll start making dinner. And then in my head I'm like, oh, I'll just work tonight. But it never works out that way. Like that, it's not that never evens out that way. You know, the time the time switch doesn't work. It's not a fair trade off ever. So I think you have to be willing to sacrifice a lot to keep a schedule. So I mean, I could say, I could say, I could tell my entire family, you know, from nine a.m. to six p.m., I'm in the office. I'm working. That's it. You got to get you got to get yourselves home from school. Don't bother me. You know. I'm not going to start dinner till 6 p.m. ever. You know, if you're hungry, figure it out. Uh, you know, I'm not willing to do that. Like, I'm not willing to make my kids always have to take a bus or always have to hustle for a ride home from school. So I can't work 9 to 6. Or I'm not willing to make the adjustment to work every day from 9 to 6. And when I'm with, when I'm, uh, when I don't have my kids and I'm living with my wife, I'm not willing to, to work just nights and not spend time with her. So I have to try to figure out a way to make two schedules work, which is honestly a lot harder than I thought. Uh, but all of it does come down to is I'm not willing to sacrifice other things to fit my schedule. So there's no, there's no one, there's no one to blame, but yourself. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we're getting further and further off topic here. Right. But I mean, I think it's a good conversation. Uh, yeah, it is. All right. Yeah, it, and you're right about the sacrifices and stuff. That might be another show. Right. Um, all right, so bringing it back. But art education. Right, bringing it back to school. So I did draw down a couple notes. Uh, I do think art school or higher education for the arts has a purpose depending on what your goal is. I don't necessarily think it's it's needed for comics. I know a lot of people, you know, they go to SCAD, which when I was just in Savannah last weekend, SCAD is gigantic. They must have 15 buildings over the entire city. I mean, there was, I saw hundreds of young art students there. It was both impressing or impressive and depressing at the same time. But I don't know if you need uh, an art school for comics. Um, there, You're like, look at all of these Starbucks burritos. Right, right. You can learn. I mean, you could take uh you could take a life drawing class outside of college you can there's books on comics on layout and storytelling you can you can educate yourself really by studying the medium you can educate yourself on how to make comics i do think art school serves a purpose for you know game design animation that sort of stuff i think the weight of an art an accredited art school still still has some heft there but outside of life drawing and sort of trying to instill some discipline i don't really see what the purpose of art school for a comic book artist is so my advice, if someone was asking me, should I go to school for this? I would say no. I would say take life drawing classes. And then the biggest part is doing your homework. Read comics. If you see a, if you see a page or a book and it, you don't like it, examine why you don't like it. What is it about that's not appealing? On the contrast, you see a comic that you love. 
what is it? What are they doing that you love? And then you, if you if you whittle that down into what it is you love about it or what you hate about it, then you can implement those into your routines. You know how you want to tell stories. Um, so you could you could teach yourself to be a comic book artist. And then really the most important thing in a comic book artist, besides being halfway decent, is knowing people. Networking is really the number one, the number one aspect. Of, you know, everyone I know, I don't know anyone who just blindly gets jobs, except for you. You got you blindly got some jobs at Boom. But other than that, I don't know anybody who doesn't have friends in comics first, or at least like a little crew that they're all trying to break in together, who, and then they get work that way. Um, so those would be my three keys. It'd be life drawing, networking, and then, uh, really just studying, reading comics. Like it's a textbook, you know, studying what you want to do. Yeah. I, I think maybe art school would have the same, the same effect on your future professional life as any other, uh, college or university would. I mean, I feel like if you go and get whatever it is, an engineering degree, or you know whatever you're gonna go when you go for a job interview they're gonna look at your degree but everybody's learning the same stuff you can learn any of that stuff outside of class they just want to be able to make sure you have this piece of paper that says that you completed this thing you committed to this program for four years or however long it takes you and you finished it. I, I think that's that's of value to employers, just knowing that you are willing to make that commitment and see something through. Uh, I think that's 50% of it. The other 50% is the actual education, which you know. Um, you can apply that to art school too. I mean, uh, employers aren't going to, you know, ask for your degree. You know, you're not going to get some dark horse gig and, you know, the editor's going to say. And also, uh, along with your portfolio, do you have copies of your transcripts? It's not going to happen. But like we said, that, that, that work ethic that it instills in you. Yeah, I don't think that can be undervalued. I think it can be overvalued. I, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say anymore. I didn't go to art school uh, I don't know that I would have learned any practical skills there that I couldn't have learned on my own or have learned. But I think that the experience of having to go and do and do stuff on time and really commit to something would have helped me quite a bit. Is Would it have been worth debt I would have incurred? I don't know. But I, I really believe that the experience would have helped me a lot. Right. That's, I think that's it. I mean, it's, it's an experience in general, I would assume. I mean, you know, people that I know that I went to school with, it's a good experience. We had a lot of fun while we were there, but I don't know if that outweighs the debt that comes from it. And it, you know, like I said, experience and opportunities, well, the experience is, is, is fulfilling opportunities, at least for me, were negligible to none coming out of school. So that, that does not counteract essentially a lifetime worth of debt. So if anyone, so I guess my final answer is kid comes up to me at Tucson Comic Con next weekend and says, Hey, I'm thinking about going to the Art Institute of Phoenix. You know, will you look at my portfolio and tell me what you think? Before I even cracked his portfolio, I would ask him, why does he feel like he needs to go to the Art Institute of Phoenix? Because you can get art degrees at, you know, Scottsdale Community College. I know a friend who got a photography degree from there and then and ended up teaching photography. Um, 
you could take all the same classes. You could take 3D modeling classes at a community college. You don't have to go to Art Institute of Phoenix to take those classes. Um, so for essentially one quarter to one sixth of the tuition, you can get the same education. So I, I always recommend against uh, private art schools. Yeah, that's a good point. The creative arts industry, I think, is different from everything else because uh, it, it might be more than this, but maybe 90% of your qualifications are going to be based on what you can do and what you have done, not a piece of paper that says you can do it. Right. Yeah, it's 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 completely skills-based, not, uh, not document-based. All right, so... I, so yeah, so I already kind of covered my advice for up-and-comers is, you know, question why you feel you need to go to an art school and really study life drawing and study the medium you want to work in. Uh, do you have any other advice or what, what would you tell, what would you tell a sweet, a sweet little kid, sweet teenager coming up to your desk asking or your table at a con asking for your advice because they want to get into comics? What would you tell? How would, oh, how would man. you, how would you I, crush their dreams? I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I have no idea how I got here. This is, it, you know, I have to this point feel like I failed upward. It, I, I have no advice for you. I mean, I could tell you to do what I did, but I I imagine doing what I did nine out of ten times will get you unemployed. Right. Um, I don't know. I You know, life drawing is valuable. Um, I'm sure... There's value in all of those classes. I mean, I remember I had one life drawing class, and at the time I hated it. I must have been 19 or 20. But um, now, looking back, hindsight, I can't imagine anything more valuable than life drawing. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember there was one class when I was going to school, you know, it was 2000. 2001 so it was just turn of the century and one of the classes i had was um in producing photo ready art so putting stuff on transparencies and blocking stuff out and putting the type on the art and all that crazy stuff can you imagine no they didn't i i went to school in 2000 2001 and they were teaching us photoshop and illustrator I couldn't believe I was taking that class. Um, so don't take that class. No, you were getting ready for a good career in 1965 advertising. Right? Um, yes, life drawing. Um, yeah, networking, the, you know, who you know, uh, I suppose. Now, I would say have a uh, robust internet presence with your art. You know, have your, your Twitter and... Your Facebook and your Tumblr, I guess. Is anybody still on DeviantArt? Yeah, I don't know. DeviantArt and, and Tumblr even are just their wastelands of, of nothing happening there. Huh. Uh, but I, I, do, um, I do agree with real quick to jump in. Yeah, I think uh, I've, I wholeheartedly believe that there are artists on big books who have gotten hired because they have like 10,000 Instagram followers. I'm sure there are editors out there looking at that, how how popular they are on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and I'm sure that goes into it because they figure if this many people like them, they must be able to do the job well, not can they do the job well. Right. 
Yeah, I, it, that's something you've preached at me for a long time, is the, the internet presence thing. It's something I have, I still have yet to really maintain. I'll get into spurts of it for every 18 months. For two weeks, I'll be really good about it. And I'll fall off the wagon again. But I think for, you know, for for newbies looking to get work, I think that's important. Um, I, I mentioned Deviant, Deviant Art. And um, up until Copperhead, there wasn't a job I had gotten where the email didn't start with, you know, I really like your stuff on Deviant Art. Every job I'd gotten came off of that site. Yeah, I've gotten I've gotten some jobs off DeviantArt as well. But yeah, so life drawing, internet presence, you know, don't be an asshole. There's a hundred people right now that would take your job if right. offered to them. Right, and and ninety ninety of them are probably better than you. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of times. It's true. Right, there's always someone. I mean, the way I look at it, there's always someone better than me. So if I'm being hired, it's because I fit their budget, I have a reputation of being reliable, and I have a reputation of being good to work with. But if I stop being reliable and I was a straight-up asshole, there's tons of guys that'll work for the same page rate I work for who are way right. be- way better than me. So, you know, part of it is yeah. that I'm part of it is just that I'm lucky I've been in I've been working in indie comics for so long is I think I think people that are coming up you know, I'm almost like a veteran of the indie comic scene. I have a reputation among a very, very small group of creators who share information. And so a lot of times I get recommended for jobs that way. But if, you know, if I'm an asshole to one of those dudes, you know, that, that that's my one lifeline. I'm hanging on by that one thread is being easy to work with because everything else I offer can be replaced by almost anybody else. Right, it's that old adage that you have to be two of those three things. You have to be on time, you have to be good to work with, and you have to be, you know, obviously a talented and good illustrator. Be any two of those three and you'll always have work. Right, so... That's, that's I, I, pretty true. I scrape by on being those first two. <laughs> um, so that, that kind of rolls into my notes for uh, some of the bigger mistakes I see when I'm looking at portfolios or, uh, you know, up and comers or, you know, we're having a conversation or, you know, I see something posted on Facebook or something like that. Um, and almost none of it has to do with actual art. Cause I think art can be learned. I mean, I think there are people who are naturally gifted, uh, but I'm a prime example. I think of, of certain skills can be learned and implemented and weaknesses can be hidden certain ways so that to enable you to have work. So, you know, some of the biggest mistakes are not art-based. The number one mistake I, I wrote down is is hubris. A lot of these young kids coming up in a in an internet culture, social media culture, uh, they th- they just think they're fucking amazing because people only tell them they're amazing. Like when I was a kid trying and I was drawing comics at home, my mom would come in my room and be like, "Oh, that looks great. You're so talented." Or like an aunt would tell me, "I'm so talented." But people nowadays they post something online and they have they have 2,000 people telling them how great they are. They don't have one educated person, you know, kind of telling them like, oh, slow down, you need to work on this or you need to work on that. So that creates a culture, I think, of the inability to take criticism, the inability to continue to learn. 
Um, so yeah, if someone asks me about their portfolio and I say one negative thing and they get shitty, I'm kind of just done. I'm like that person, that person can't learn. They can't, they're not ready to, to be a working professional. They just want someone to pat them on the back. Um, and I see that kind of all the time, especially in our, you know, uh, social network, uh, culture, I suppose. Yeah, that's a good note. I, that's understandable. I imagine it's like the, uh, you know, the, the star high school athlete, you know, your big shit at your school, but then, you know, you move up to one a college football or whatever, and you go from being the best player on your team to being, you know, the 29th best player on your team in a conference full of all Americans and shit. It gets to be pretty humbling. Um, and that's, it's, yeah, that sort of humility, I don't think is learned so easily by, yeah, young artists and the, the social media culture, even with trolls. I think the art community is maybe is overly nice. Yeah, I, that's, I was, as I was speaking, that popped into my head. And I think, I think trolling and hateful comments happen when you, when you, post or say anything controversial if all you're doing is putting up pinups of deadpool that's not going to be a problem but it is it's and and it is because it's all networking no no because everyone everyone telling this guy he's great is either family friends or other up-and-coming artists and they don't want to tell this guy something sucks because that guy at some point might be in a position to get them a job and that doesn't stop. I mean, we all have other pro artists that we're friends with that we don't love their work. And you're never really honest about it unless they ask you to be honest about it because it's a, I don't know, it's a fraternity and you don't want to be the asshole in that fraternity. Yeah, it is very, the art community online and even in person at like conventions and stuff is almost 100% positive and supporting, which is great. But I think if you really want an honest critique of your work and you're really trying to honestly get better at what you're doing that's not always the best environment to uh to try to uh learn and improve your skills you know i maybe tying into that i'm thinking maybe somebody with the um the attitude and outlook of certainly myself i don't want to speak for you but that can't take a compliment and secretly thinks that uh everybody's just blowing smoke all the time i i don't that's not healthy either i i I don't well no i I, it plays into this this culture of ass kissing where i don't believe any of that stuff all i see are the mistakes so i'm not gonna sit back and rest on my artistic laurels and be okay with what i just did so i not 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 being able to take a compliment and not believing that my stuff is good at all, I think insulates me from all of the uh I don't know how to put it. You know, everything you just said. Not being able to take criticism, even constructive criticism, that's that's all I get from myself all the time. That it's not constructive, but it's criticism. Um that doesn't, you know, artificially inflate my perception of my abilities or my work. 
Yeah, I think there's kind of like three three levels of. I'll go ahead and just say work, working artists. So someone once told me, Shannon Denton once told me early on in my career when I was felt like I was getting mistreated at a convention. He told me like, no, you're a, you're a professional artist. You're a working artist. You should be treated as such. And I was like, oh, I don't feel like a work. I don't feel that way. And he said, he said, you have a publisher who's spending their own money to publish a book that you drew. You're a professional artist. That's, you know, that's the, that's your break. You're a working artist. Um, so I think there's three types of kind of working artists. You have the guys that are breaking in that are, that they only want to hear positive things because they're, they're new. They need that. You know, we're, we're all, all, all artists are, are sort of like, you know, mentally fragile. We all want positive reinforcement. So there's people who take that criticism or they take that praise, I should say, and they, they run with it and they, they think that they can do no wrong. Uh, then there's like, you know, guys who kind of like, like, uh, we are where, you know, we'll get, we'll get positive praise and feel like we don't deserve it because we know we know what we're we're educated enough to know that they're bullshit. Like they might say, "I love that" and "I love what you did there," and you and I both focus on the idea that that's where we messed up. So they uh, they might not know what they're talking about, or they're just trying to blow smoke up our asses. And then I think there is the the actual professional who's so confident in their skills that they can take both praise and constructive criticism and implement that in you know in their work. So I, I think there are guys like that, and I, I, I someday I want to get to that point where I could talk, const, you know, critically. I think I could take constructive criticism, and I can dog on my own pages all day long, and I enjoy that. I think that's necessary. I think even the best artist should take criticism from another peer, someone he considers a peer. You know, I don't want to hear shit from a guy who, you know, is twenty and hasn't paid any dues and just wants to rag on my pages. I don't want to listen to that guy, but I'll listen to a 30 year pro give me advice and talk shit about my pages. Cause that guy knows what he's talking about. Um, so another piece of advice, people that are trying to break in is just shut the fuck up. If, if you really want advice, be honest about the advice you want. If you just want praise, you know, go talk to your grandma or your mom. That, that's accurate. The, the, the criticisms I think should go down the, uh, experience chain and certainly not up. All right. So, uh, let's see, let's try to get back on course here. Um, lost boys. Number one came out last week, right? Didn't it? Uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. A couple weeks ago. How was that received? Did you get any feedback on that? Uh, nope. <laughs> All right. Nope. Uh, no, I mean, people tweet at me. I've seen a couple of reviews just that people send to me again. If I mean, if you're going to tweet me your review of a book, then it's probably going to be positive because it takes a huge asshole to send somebody a bad review. Right. And I think I think when you're working in books that are considered, even if they're not creator-owned, I think a book like Lost Boys is considered almost like a smaller indie book. Even though it's not, people are not going to go out of their way to talk shit about that book. You know, I think right. it might, I think it might be different if you're on Iron Man. I think people feel like they have the liberty to bash the creative team on a book like Iron Man or something like that, or Spider-Man, more so than, you know, a Vertigo book or especially an image book or something like that. Well, I, I would think something like this, you know, a 30-year-old property with 
you know, an existing fan base, I, I think would be um, more prime for uh, criticism and negative reviews than, than just an indie book or create your own book. Um, I, I, I feel like it would be as fair game as, you know, one of the, the larger trademark properties, you know, Batman or Spider-Man or whatever. Um, but, I mean, it hasn't been the case. I, I think it helps that people have, uh, you know, a fondness for the original film and a disdain for all the horrible sequels. So going back to that original film and that original source material and Tim doing something that's... Um, you know, in the same vein and faithful to that, I think, um, automatically earns points with a lot of people. Um, as it goes on, maybe it changes. Maybe people aren't, you know, so happy about the direction of the story or how my art falls apart as the book goes on. You know, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Yeah, but um, as, you, as you established earlier, your art's going to fall apart in an upward fashion. <laughs> It's, it's going to fall apart and get more desirable at the same time. Yeah, that's been the trend so far. That 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 is unsustainable. That, I don't that, know. That, that is going to come to an end at some point. And when it does, it's it's going to be a deafening thud. Well, who knows? I mean, if it thuds after you do like a you know six-issue run on Deadpool, you can always make money at cons being the dude who did a six-issue run on Deadpool. There you go. All right, so uh, I guess we'll wrap it up until next week. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right in here and say this might come as a shock. I do not recommend the Victor- Victory Storm King Imperial <laughs> Stout. This might be the fir- the first time in however many shows. This is not. It's not a great beer. I mean, if I tried it at a bar, I would not order it a second time, and I'm not gonna seek it out again. I agree with the whole idea of like burnt, like a burnt coffee taste. And I've had coffee stouts that are way better. I don't know what they're trying to do with this. It is kind of a stout that wants to be an IPA. I don't think it's too hoppy. That's not my problem with it. My problem is it's got like a burnt flavor to it. I don't love, uh, but I did finish it, but I won't recommend it. So victory does not have the winning formula. Uh, well, not for this beer. I've never had any other ones. Um, how how is your Borderlands? What is it? Noche, Noche Dolce. Dolce. It's Not- fine. You know, um, the closest thing I can compare it to would be Guinness. Is it better than it a Guinness? Might be, it might be slightly sweeter than Guinness, probably just because of that addition of the Mexican vanilla. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would recommend it, sure. You know, I might even purchase it again if I am in the uh, the market for a beer and this is available and I remember. Yeah, it, it's a hefty drink. I mean, um, it it is a, uh, you know, it's a porter, so it's it's got a lot of body. All right, so, you, so when I'm in Tucson, if I see it on tap somewhere, I should give it a shot is what you're saying. Yeah, go for it. Um, right. Are you a Guinness guy? Yeah, I love stouts. Those are my first. Before I okay. got in, before I get into IPAs, you know, when I grew when I grew past sort of the American lager, you know, college phase, 
the beers I got into were stouts. And I would recommend, actually, it, uh, what I prefer, my favorite stout is uh, Murphy's Irish Stout. It's a little cre- mm. It's a little creamier than a Guinness, almost. I don't want to use the term, like, milkier, but it's almost, like, definitely, like, a, a creamier Guinness, I suppose. Murphy's is the way to go. Um, they're my favorite Irish Stout. But I do like stouts. I like porters. Uh, I've just been on an IPA kick for the last, like, year or so, but... Uh, I'll, I'll search out the Borderlands uh, when I'm in Tucson next weekend. All right. So speaking of that, I guess uh, anyone who's in Arizona that listens to this can see us at Tucson Comic Con the first weekend of November. We'll be sitting by each other. Artist Alley's table's uh, 89, and I don't know if you're at 90 or 88, but I know we're next uh, to each other. Um, 88. You could come see the illustrious gentleman at Tucson Comic Con. You can slip us a 10 so we can get a drink later. If that's something you wish to do. Yeah. Um, so you can uh, follow the show on Twitter at uh, at TIG underscore show or go to TIGshow.com to uh, buy us a round. And, uh, you know, we actually have a round. So if we go out during the show, um, if you slum it and hang out with me during the show, uh, we'll get a drink. And that'll be the drink that was bought for us by Ryan, Ryan Quackenbush a couple weeks ago. Whoa. So, yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah. So, all right, man. I'll talk to you next week. And uh, yeah, have a good weekend. Adios, everybody. Bye. Bye.